Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Deb Calvert. How are you, Deb? I'm good. I'm honored, Shahid. Thank you very much for having me on the show. No, it's my honor, actually. So glad that you came about and took the time to come on the show. I know I had a little delay to start um, doing this because I was kind of, you know, stuck on Clubhouse, but we're back. We're in action. Glad to see you here with us and see if we can add some value to our audience. Um, with what you do. So I kind of like to allow our guests to start by introducing themselves, everything that you're involved with and your company. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, so my company is called People First Productivity Solutions. We've been in business for 15 years. The three things that we do are a lot more connected than they'll sound at first, but we work in three spaces, leadership development, sales productivity, and team effectiveness. And what we help people do in any of those realms is get connected with each other or with themselves or with their customers. And so uh, we do a lot of focusing on the soft skills. And I'm a buyer side researcher. So I'm, I'm often bringing information from receivers as opposed to people who are sending messages and um, helping people to understand how their messages are being received in those different three areas. So in a, in a real life situation, can you elaborate on all three areas? You bet. So when it comes to sales productivity, that's probably the space where I'm best known because I've been in sales my whole life since I was about five years old. <laughs> and wow. so um, the two books that I've written, Discover Questions, Get You Connected, and Stop Selling and Start Leading, uh, those are based on research with buyers about what they would like to receive from sellers how they could improve communications, how they could um, demonstrate their credibility, how they could accelerate the sell by simply understanding how things seem from the buyer's perspective. Mm -hmm. So sales productivity, it's you know, always about accelerating the sale, being able to make more sales with higher velocity. And buyers will tell us exactly how to do that if we'll just listen and um, adapt and behaviorally mm -hmm. adjust to, to give them what they're looking for. When it comes to team effectiveness, uh, the work I do is about helping teams build trust and understanding so that they can be more effective and ultimately more productive, just like within sales. Um, I help them to break down any communication barriers. I use assessment tools like the Echo Listening Assessment or Myers-Briggs or DISC personality type assessments, uh, TKI for if there's a great deal of conflict and they're, they're stuck, they're not being able to make that conflict productive and healthy. Uh, I help them to figure out ways that they can become more cohesive and therefore more productive. And then when it comes to leadership development, this is for senior leadership teams. I also work with emerging leaders. It's more about personal effectiveness. How do you lead people in ways where they will want to, to go to the place that, that they uh, are gonna get a better outcome. So leadership productivity often takes the form of, of personal effectiveness since what leaders do is, is guide people. And to guide people, you might not associate that with, with productivity, but it's about effectiveness, getting them to come with you, to have 
higher levels of buy-in so that the trip is easier and that you get there faster. So ultimately, everything I do has to do with connecting people for the purpose of being more productive. And in that process of connecting everything, what do you feel is a percentage-wise mindset stuff? Because mm, we're at the end yeah. of the day, the company is the people, right? Not the brick and not the building, but it's the people. So what percentage do you work on them regarding mindset? You know, I, I'll go so far as to say that 100% of the time, there is an aspect of mindset. Mm-hmm. Any barrier, whether it's real or perceived, mm-hmm. right? if you're stuck, part of that is is mindset. It's about how have we always done it? or ways we've never done it, or getting outside my comfort zone, having that growth mindset. There, there's always an element of that. And you mentioned about when you were five years old and selling, like I'm, <laughs> I'm itching to find out that story because so what, what happened there and what kind of commitment did you make that you actually ended up staying in this field this long? Yeah, well, so my parents were both Marine Corps drill sergeants. So they had a certain way. I was the oldest kid, right? They had a certain way of things getting done. <laughs> and yeah, it's true. Actually, I can still bounce a dime off a bed that I've made. So <laughs> you still I learned have some, those skills. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, but there, there's a discipline to things. Now, yeah. my mom was one of the first U.S. women Marines to go overseas and she was also one of the first U.S. women Marines to be a recruiter, which, of course, is a sales role. So she saw value for her, I think, although it wasn't called sales, she saw value in, in being able to, to be influential and, and to help others see things differently. So she was really trying to instill that in me from a young age. What I did at age five is I walked around the neighborhood with a little red wagon selling vegetables, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, whatever we were growing in our backyard garden. And I learned, I learned so many business lessons from, um, from that door knocking and how do I get people to buy it? And, and by the way, if I have one of my friends helping me, I shouldn't split the proceeds I learned one day because we had the investment, we did the work. And at, at age five, my dad was, was helping me learn those things. Mm-hmm. But my first official sales job, that was just kind of a thing to do on a Saturday afternoon. The first thing I did was at, at actually at age six. And that's when I was a campfire girl, a bluebird. And we had a candy sale with an incentive. If you sold a certain number of boxes, 400, you got to get a free campership, a week-long stay at Camp Shawnee, which um, although it no longer exists, it's in my memory, still my happy place. And so I would sell every year. I would sell so much candy because I wanted at least one, if not two or three weeks at, at Camp Shawnee. And I was like shattering all the candy sales records and um, it got into my blood. You know, the, the fact that I could see different ways of, of helping people get something they need because my mom, the recruiter, right? She would teach me when you go to somebody's front door, you don't say, hi, I'm selling campfire candy. Would you like to buy a box? Instead, because this was in the, the fall, she'd have me knocking on doors and saying things like, what are your plans for Thanksgiving and, and for Christmas gift giving? Mm-hmm. How could boxes of candy for all your friends really make things easy for you? I mean, so imagine this, right? This little chubby cheek yeah. six-year-old on your porch saying things like that. Huge difference. So, yes. So that, that little behavior shift and what you were saying to the person drove the higher sales. So did you achieve it? 
Oh, yeah. I, there was only one year that Lorna Kroll beat me by just a couple of boxes of candy. Go back in time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is great. So you, for now, are you, are you part, like, are you owner in this company or? Yep. This is my company. I started it a little over 15 years ago. I was coming out of corporate America and uh, I worked for a Fortune 500 media company. I was a director there and they sold the company. My job didn't travel to the new company. And I think that's a fortunate thing. Um, And I I had options. I had four offers on the table. And they were in markets I didn't really want to move to. I had relocated to California for this job. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to Fort Wayne. Didn't yeah. want to go to Green Bay, or, you know, where these jobs were. Boise, Oak. They, they were just all smaller. And I didn't really want to move again. So I called up all four of them. And I said, hey, um, would you consider hiring me as a consultant as opposed to hiring me as an employee? Here's what that might look like and why it would potentially be beneficial for you. And within a week, three out of the four said yes. And that's how my business was born. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So what the actual transition, though, from corporate, is there any kind of what was going on through your mind at that point when you kind of left the corporate to go into business? Well, all the usual things. Can I do this? Am I cut out for it? Will we have the stability? I'm the main breadwinner in my family. Yeah. You know, what, what happens if? I had all those things. Yeah. And I, I, something I've always done um, is I, I believe in a, a scale. So as I would catastrophize and ask all those worst case scenario questions, I was trying to force myself to be proportioned on, on the other side. Well, what if this works? What might that look like? What would that mean to the family? You know, so really trying to get a balance. So to, to make it okay for myself, I set some, some rules. And the rules were things like, all right, the, me- the media industry, uh, where I'm coming from, that, that's going to give me some business, but maybe that won't last forever. And if I'm really going to be in business for myself, I should expand outside that industry. The writing was on the wall even 15 years ago about some of the troubles they'd have. So I said, within one year, I have to have at least half my clients are not from media. At least 25% of my clients are not from referrals of people I already know. I have to be able to go out and sell myself. And within three months, I have to be making X amount of money. I I don't remember what it was, but um, I I made all those goals within those first three months and decided this this is going to work. This is what I'm going to do. It's been a nice ride. When you look back at this, that decision, what are your feelings about that specific decision when you said, you know, I'm going to go for it? Did you, do you go back and think about that moment when you made that firm decision? I do. I think it was one of the bravest and smartest things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and I wish I had been thinking that direction sooner. My yes. hand was forced because of the sale. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish I would have gone into it with even more gusto because for those first three months, even beyond the first three months, although I checked all the boxes, I was still interviewing and talking to other people and entertaining other ideas. I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't sure. And it didn't take too much longer. Maybe within six months, I was sure, but I wasted time at the beginning. Yeah. And really everything starts with a decision, right? Some of the the greatest things that we experience is that decision. So I'm always, you I'm always interested to hear um, entrepreneurs and people in business that that decision that got them to this point, uh, 
you know, that reflection of that decision, what does that mean to you now? Right? Like the, it has so much depth because if you didn't make that decision, where would you be? Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith. And so there was yeah. a lot of prayer and a lot of, uh, you know, other elements that went into that decision. And um, I feel and felt very, yeah. very blessed uh, throughout yes. the, the process. Yeah. Did you, did you ever um, do any like mindset training? Did you ever work on your core belief system? You, you know, the limitations, all that stuff that holds people back. Do you, did you ever go through any professional training or is it through books and stuff? Like what, what kind of experience you have? With yeah, that? I would have to say more books. I am a big follower and fan of Dr. Harold Dweck. So the author of Mindset. So when that was early out, I was in Silicon Valley. I was introduced to, I was working with a lot of people in, mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. And so uh, the work being done there um, at Stanford, I was sort of tapped in a little bit early and, you know, I, I think I'm I'm lucky because I believe I've always had a growth mindset. I've I've just been a learner my whole life. I'm I'm the kid who used to have a flashlight and books, and I'd get in, when I'd get in trouble at all, it was because I was reading books in the middle of the night. <laughs> so um, I just you know I feel lucky in that way. Um, but it's not with everything, right? There are some things I think even for people with very strong, healthy resilient um, mindsets that, um, you know, there, there are certain things that tie us up. Right. So I can't say I'm a hundred percent always That's in that, okay. in that. It's okay. Yeah, sure. But, yeah. I, but knowing it, right. Knowing yeah. is what makes it okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm operating from a fixed mindset. Wait, is yeah. that, I got to challenge my belief here. Is that accurate? You know? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It's that reason factor, you know, the reason factor, the, how we think, it's, it's something that could be strengthened. So the more you do that, the more you pinpoint at that information, the more you're looking at it, the more you're strengthening it, right? And you're finding answers, finding solutions. So that's great. I love it. Are you all over? Is it a global company or is it just in the States? Like, yeah, yeah. We, we are global. I primarily operate within the US. Uh, it's just easier. <laughs> um, but we have had trainers in other countries. We currently don't, although we have bilingual trainers who sometimes work in the U outside the U.S. Um, I carry currently two clients who are outside the U.S. and it's sort of on a on a case by case basis. I mean, you know that that's one of the best things about being an entrepreneur. You yeah. get to choose who yes. and how and how much business you're doing at any given time. Yeah. Did you ever have to fire a client? I have. Yeah. Even recently. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, three in total in 15 years. Yeah. What is that on a, on a uncomfortable level? <laughs> what is that at one to 10? You know, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? It is. Um, it is, to me, every bit as bad as firing an employee. Yeah, it is. It is. And sometimes um, I think naturally we're good people. Everybody is just their conditionings and the behavior is different. So at times they just, you just don't click with everyone. You know, it just, even though they might be a great person to someone else, even to you, there's just, they don't, there's no, there's no connection to what you're doing with them. So, you know, it's better that you kind of let go, right? Because it'll be better for them as well. It, absolutely. I mean, if your heart's not in it, if you're yeah. not able to give them, and that's the case with this most recent one, yeah. um, I, they'd been my client for seven years. Oh, wow. They, they changed. I, you know, I probably changed. We grew apart sort of. And my ability to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve diminished. 
and it was better for them that I not try to fake it, but it was also better for me and for my brand. Right. If I, if I can't give it, my I think all, it's honorable. Well, I think, yeah, I, yeah, 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 no, honestly, like I think it's, I don't think anybody should be keeping any client. Um, if, if you're not serving them, right. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a, there's any problem with the serving component could be the person, the seller, the buyer, right. It, if you're not serving money is not going to help anybody because yep. it's not going to help you. It's not going to help them sticking around. Right. Um, you even help them find someone that'd be more suitable, you know, go to the extra hand, but it's honorable. I think, Well, you know, I, thanks for saying that. I, I do feel that way. And, um, I would, I would want them to, to do the same if, if the yes. roles were reversed. So yes. yeah. Yeah, anybody I work with, I tell them, I say, if you're not happy with me, fire me. I have no problem, you know? Yeah. Because I, I, my main thing is that I want to be the best client to you. Same way I expect the same with others when I work with them, right? So it's so important to have that re- uh, realization that you you need, even as a client, you have responsibilities, right? Not just the, the 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 business, but the client also has responsibilities. Absolutely, I tell people because yeah. a, a lot of what I do is training and coaching, yeah. and I tell them you're you're going to get out of this what you put into it. Yeah, and you and I have learned the hard way. I can't care more than they do. I can't put more into it than they're willing to put into it yes. because I'm not going to be able to force them into no. a change in, in behavior. Yeah, and it's forcing you want to do so much at times, right? You want to like say, just do this, just please do this, just just take care of this one thing. It's not gonna take that much longer. You're like trying to push it, but you cannot at the end of the day, you can't force anybody to do certain like you can't. It's just impossible. But and you could provide instructions and things that they need to do if they don't do it. Really, what can you do, right? At the end of the day. So Yeah, absolutely. For your um you mentioned teams. So what what is your percentage wise? Like, do you help more teams or do you help individual people as well um, in sales? We do both. And so each year, you know, I sort of measure in those three streams. And then I also measure what am I doing or versus what are other trainers uh, that I bring in as contractors? What are they fulfilling? Mm-hmm. So for me personally right now, a lot of my work is focused on teams after COVID as, as groups are coming back together or perhaps working from home, exposed some things, maybe budgets have been liberated there. All this is happening and people are saying, wow, we really need to get back to working on team effectiveness. Yeah. <laughs> so this year has been a bit of an explosion. Last year, it was all about supervisory skills. Mm-hmm. And although that hasn't gone away, well, I'm doing less of it. I have more trainers now, but um but the demand, right? The, the inbound incoming calls are much more about teams than they were last year. Oh, yeah. Really? That's yeah. a trend. Or two mm-hmm. years, even three years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. The recognition of that need is is greater. And things have opened up where you are now, right? Like for COVID restrictions? Um, where I am, I'm in a rural area okay. in Missouri. Okay. We never had a lot of restrictions. <laughs> it was <I> certainly. <laughs> oh, well, I certainly understand yeah. where those restrictions were elsewhere. Now, I've traveled already for business. I was in California last week uh-huh. and then I've been to Chicago for, um, unfortunately, a family funeral. Oh, so, sorry, I'm, you yeah. know, I've I'm, I'm been in place. Thank you. I, but I've been in places where the restrictions have always been significantly greater than they are here. Uh-huh. And because of that, that funeral, my daughter came from she lives in Vancouver, Canada 
where the restrictions are even greater still and are continuing. I'm in Ontario, Canada. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she, had to, she has to have three tests before she can be fully out of quarantine. She took her first one here. She's on a plane today. She'll take her next yes. one at the border. You know, yeah. it's yeah. It's yeah. intense. Well, what, I got vaccinated twice. So now I can travel. Yes. So I'm taking the family to Florida. Um, end of end of july oh so, wonderful <laughs> yeah it's, it's been so long we went anywhere the kids are super excited because they went to you know disney world and universal studios uh four four years ago five years ago now so they haven't done anything so they've been uh, very excited you know and yeah. the fact that uh, I, I believe it's disney world or Universal Studios, they came out with a new Jurassic Park ride or something like that. It's been in the news. Mm -hmm. I I didn't check it out, but something new happened this year. So that's exciting. Oh, yeah. You'll have a good time. Yeah. And then now for you, I wanted to ask is what's the top area that you're curious about in your industry? Like, what is that? What is that area that you're most curious about in your industry? I'm really, really interested in seeing what happens as a result of COVID and work from home. You know, every business is going to keep changing. So many of my peers are saying we're back to normal. We can be traveling again now. It's just going to be as it was before. I don't think so. So I'm very curious to see about the hybrid models. And, you know, I think we're going to see shuttering of a lot of offices. There's going to be a a long tail effect of that as restaurants near business districts and other businesses are affected. Uh, You know, there was this stopgap with COVID. That's not going to continue. So um, I, and where this, you know, then leads back to the work I do is, well, then as that's all taking shape for entrepreneurs and small business owners, because we all have to react to what's going on with the larger businesses, mm-hmm. you know, what, what does it mean? What does it mean if there are more gig workers available? What does it mean if people don't feel tied to big companies, offices, and ultimately benefits because, you know, there's going to be some give and take. So five years from now, I think this is going to be extremely different. And I think there's opportunity for small business owners and entrepreneurs to, to benefit from that. If, if we're mindful of the impact, everybody's going to start operating more like we do. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to be accustomed to doing things the way we do. Mm -hmm. There'll be more contractors and others available. I I don't know, but that's, that's really something I want to watch and, and see where it goes. Yeah, you you brought some curiosity in my mind as well because we just look at it at high level, right? We just say, okay, going back to work, but there's so many little details that that are affected by this that change that we experience and going back to normal. Those little things are going going to pop up, you know, their heads, right? They got to yeah. start noticing these things. So I am also curious to check that out and see, keep an eye on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's always about looking for the opportunity, right? So whatever, every change equals an opportunity, but we have to be aware of it and not resistant to it to to jump in on it. Yeah. So true, Deb. And we always like to ask our guests what their inner superpower is that got them to this point in their journey. You know, mine is not a very um, glamorous one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. They're all equally amazing. I don't think I'd trade it for anything else. Uh, So I I say it's productivity. 
just being able to get a lot done in a short amount of time and, and knowing almost instinctively where to where to focus and prioritize. My name, Deborah, in Hebrew means the bee. So the bee. The bee right. So bees are very productive. Yeah. They they don't just buzz around. They work it all day. <laughs> They, they work all day, but they make something out of it. They're, they're wow. strategic and they're yes. smart about yeah. how they work together and about how they uh, produce yes. with yeah. every flap of their wings they're producing. Um, I don't like busy work. I don't like work for but, the sake of work. Mm -hmm. I don't like inefficiency. And mm -hmm. I've been pretty able throughout my life to, to you know, cut to the thing that's going to make the difference the fastest. I had a boss years and years ago who said, Deb gets more done by 10 a.m. than anybody else in this wow. place. And, you know, I, I kind of thought about that at the time. It was obviously a compliment, but I started thinking about, well, what is, why? And is, am I working too hard? Should I, could I cut, slack off a little bit? You know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but I just, I like that about myself and I do think it's a superpower for, yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. And also, um, in my point of view, I think productivity is stemmed directly to mindset, because if you don't believe or if you don't have that faith or if you don't, if you, oh, you feel kind of weird, you know what I mean? It's so hard to be productive, like to get your body moving. Yeah. It's it's because, you know, body is the instrument of the mind. So it's, it just lags. Even if you push yourself, you just do productivity, but it's, it's not quality work. So I think it's such a huge component. What I see ha is happening is Deb is because of your parents. I think maybe that their, their discipline, their work ethics and their way of, of bringing that in you in an early age created that, that paradigm created that conditioning in the lower part of your mind that you habitually are a productive person. It became your superpower. I love yeah. And I do think there's a certain aspect of being born that way. I think I was lucky that they fanned that they saw mm -hmm. that in me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they tell stories about even when I was little, I always wanted to be learning, doing, busy, yeah. um, never have liked TV, for example. Just yeah. but that, it, it's just me. I don't I don't judge that yeah. anybody else might yeah. have a different um, value set or, or superpower. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's great. Deb. Again, I'm I'm I was so I was super enthused to have you on the show, and now that we we met and we talked, I know that you're adding value to the people out there and their lives, and I want you to have the utmost level of success in your journey. Provide Thanks. these kind of solutions that make, on a fundamental level, individuals, companies, everyone's life better because the more people can sell the more they can earn, the better they can provide, the more they can do for humankind. They can do it. So it's just nothing starts without something being sold. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the work that you do and honored that you came on the show, Deb. Well, likewise, it was an honor to be here. And uh, I'm, you know, if, if anybody that's one of your listeners would like to talk more, I always enjoy that. To me, that's part of being productive is learning and, and collaborating with, with other people. So I always like the follow-up conversations too. That's great. Like, like Deb said, guys, like if anyone out there listening to this, um, if you, if you want to DM her or contact her, you know, in the show notes, all the information is there. Get in touch with her, chat with her. You could see, you could just tell. That's why I love doing video as well. And voice, you can tell as well, is with the voice, you could hear in someone's voice vibrationally 
where they stand when it comes to serving you, right? What are the, what are their intentions that when you call a person like Deb, what are you what are, what are going to be her intentions? You can tell all that stuff by someone's voice and the way they speak, the way they talk. All this stuff is is called nonverbal communication. And you can see without words being said, definitely she has an open door policy. Get in touch with her. Again, you know, thank you for following the show here, Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Invite other people, get other people involved to listen to these guests that we bring on our show. Subscribe, share, be part of the community. Community also, my DMs are always open with love. You know that. And again, thank you so much, Deb. Thank you, everyone else. Have a great day. Thank you.